this is Felice, your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. We have with us a real exciting uh, interview today, Judge Stephanie Mingo, who oversees our court's environmental division for the Franklin County Municipal Court. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Felice. Thanks for having me on. And I have also with us two of my co-hosts, Mr. Ernest Kelly, and we have with us Ms. Tish Brady. How are you? How are my co-hosts doing today? Ooh, ooh. Okay. <laughs> great. <laughs> great. Y'all doing great. They listen to me. They say I am not taking over this meeting. This two are y'all questions, okay? Today is going to be all about y'all asking questions. Uh, Stephanie, could you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and then how you kind of came about to coming up into being the judge over the environmental court? All right. Thank you, uh, Felice. As I said, thanks again for having me on. I am uh, Judge Stephanie Mingo, uh, Franklin County's environmental court judge. So I serve in the municipal court. Uh, there are 15 judges in the municipal court. There are 14 in the general division. And then I am uh, the sole environmental judge. Uh, so before I get into that, I'll just give you a little bit of history, a little bit of background here. Just prior to taking uh, the bench in environmental court, uh, I was a Franklin County prosecutor uh, practicing in the environmental division. And so uh, when there there was a vacancy of the court, the my predecessor uh, won election to the Common Pleas Court, and that created a vacancy in the Environmental Division. So it was sort of a natural fit for me. As I said, I'd been practicing uh, in the Environmental Division, and fortunately for me, then Governor John Kasich decided to appoint me uh, to the bench, and that was in uh, December of 2018. So at that point, I had to then run to finish out sort of the remainder of the term of my predecessor. He had another two years remaining on his term. So I had to then run uh, in 2019 to finish out his term. And again, fortunately for me, I was successful in that election bid in 2019. Uh, and then I found myself back on the ballot uh, this year, uh, this, this past election here, uh, this November, running to then begin my own six-year term. And again, uh, fortunately for me, I, I won that election and now will begin my first uh, six-year term as the environmental court judge. Uh, but uh, prior to becoming the prosecutor for these, I had um, I'd had a long history in the public practice of law. I'd worked at both the city, county, and uh, state level. Uh, I'd worked for our former um, current attorney general, but at the time he was our Auditor of State. I worked as uh, an Assistant Chief Legal Counsel uh, for the Auditor of State. Uh, and then I'd also had some experience on my own working as a guardian at litem in Franklin County's Domestic Relations and Juvenile Court. Uh, I represented children who were the subject of abuse and neglect cases and uh, custody cases. Um, so I'd done a wide range of things prior to coming to the bench and it just sort of found me at the right time. That's really how I found myself um, as a sitting judge in the municipal court. That's exciting yeah. to know that you were a prosecutor. That means you went to win. <laughs> I did. And, and again, you know, I um, it was just interesting because I initially went to the prosecutor's office to 
Um, the assignment was really supposed to be to work on um, overseeing contracts for the prosecutor's office. And um, something happened, and it just so happened they needed someone to work in the environmental division. So most of my cases were not criminal in nature, but they were uh, mostly dealing with the environmental division. These are cases involving uh, properties that um, the uh, the city would consider to be a public nuisance. So most of the cases that I handled as a prosecutor are the cases that I hear now as a judge, cases involving properties that are a public nuisance. What was different for you this election season that was different from last election? That's a really good question. Oh, gosh. You know, I think just experience. You know, I'd been around Franklin County politics for the past 13 years. Uh, my brother, Clarence Mingo, was Franklin County's uh, county auditor for 10 years uh, from 20, or rather from 2009 until uh, 2018. So I had been in and around sort of politics for quite a long time. And I, you know, I always sort of played a role in the background, right? I knew the ins and outs of campaigning. I knew sort of what it took to run a successful campaign, but nothing sort of prepares you for actually being the candidate. And so I think um, just having that experience in 2019 and being a first-time candidate myself, uh, there were so many things I needed to learn about, you know, how to get a good campaign up and going. And again, I'd had that experience in working on my brother's campaigns, but uh, just being a candidate and then trying to balance that with the responsibilities of my courtroom. And then certainly I'm a wife and mother of uh, two young children. So really just trying to balance that as a first-time candidate. And then having had that experience in 2019, I think I was a little more prepared in 2021 to sort of balance it. And I kind of knew, um, Tish, what I wanted to do as a candidate. I really... Um, Win or lose, I wanted to be the best public servant that I could be. And so that uh, prompted me to start an initiative in 2021 uh, entitled Beyond the Bench. And I sort of grabbed um, a colleague of mine by the hand, another judge serving in the municipal courts, and we just sort of formulated a plan to really do all that we could to serve and be accessible and visible judges uh, for Franklin County. Uh, Beyond the Bench is an initiative that I started to really engage with Franklin County on a different level, a level that you really don't see um, judges engaging at, a level where, you know, we get out there, we're engaging with um, different segments of Franklin County um, so that they know who their judges are and so that we know the folks that we're serving. Um, that was something that I don't think we've seen our judges do here in this county. And I knew, um, at least from my perspective, I knew that I wanted to do all that I could to engage, to really engage and to get involved and to be an active listener and an active public official uh, in this past year, win or lose. I wanted to make sure I gave public service my best. Um, so I really think that's, for me, the distinction between 2019 and, and 2021. I think I read somewhere where Clarence was her brother. And uh, you guys grew up in Canton, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Now, Ernest, how did you come across that information? <laughs> well, he be doing, Ernest be doing his research. Let me tell you, he be coming up with some questions. He no, no, that's actually, he came to our church a few times to speak about, you know, auditor work and, sure. you know, and things he needed us to do uh, as um 
as, you know, people of Franklin County. So that's yeah. how I knew that. Uh, because I grew up in Akron, so I always oh, okay. look for people from Northeast, Northeast yes. Ohio. <laughs> yes, we are neighbors then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I, I did have a question. What are, what are the challenges your court is facing right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you for asking it, Ernest. So, um, as I said, I hear all of Franklin County's uh, cases involving properties that are a public nuisance. So, if it is a property that is not in compliance with housing, building, zoning, health, safety, or fire codes, uh, that case is heard in environmental court. So, we're talking about uh, properties, whether they're residential or commercial, uh, that perhaps are not being kept up to code. Maybe it needs a new roof. Maybe the concrete steps are crumbling. Maybe um, the home doesn't have its address displayed. Maybe the home needs to be painted. Maybe the driveway is crumbling. Uh, perhaps the folks living there are, you know, parking their cars on the grass. Um, it could be an apartment complex where the landlord or the company that owns the apartment complex isn't taking care of it. Um, if the property is not up to code and a municipality within Franklin County files a complaint, it is filed in environmental court. Uh, in addition, I also hear all of the cases involving pub properties that are uh, involved in some capacity in illegal activity. So it could be a property that is involved in uh, illegal drug sales. Maybe it's a property that is involved in human trafficking. It could also be a property that's uh, just associated with general violence. If it is a property where illegal activity is occurring uh, and the city files a complaint, it is also heard in an environmental court. I think the biggest challenge that I face as the environmental court judge um, are the number of descendants that come into environmental court and through no fault of their own, uh, they are unable to afford the uh, repairs that are needed in order to bring the property into compliance. So most wow. of the individuals most of the individuals that I see, uh, these aren't individuals that are property owners who simply don't care. Um, they're property owners, Ernest and Tish and uh, Felice, where you know perhaps it's an issue of being underemployed or unemployed. Um, sometimes you know it could be just a family that's fallen onto hard times. Um, could be any number of issues, uh, but. Uh, the, the challenge is that there the shortage of resources. Um, there were never enough resources, but when the pandemic hit, we saw uh, the very few resources that were able to leverage for those defendants, those resources really dried up. And so that is that that really is the biggest challenge, just seeing so many folks who um, you know really want to be good property owners, um, but they simply cannot afford the repairs that are required in order to bring that property up to code. Biggest challenge, and I think that will always be the case in environmental court. Is there something that we could do at the state level or the county level that would help people that find themselves in this situation? <sighs> yes, I mean, I, you know, uh, so in the, yes, the, the short answer is yes. Um, you know, my in my wildest dreams, um, most of my cases come from the city of Columbus. Although I have jurisdiction over all of Franklin County, most of the cases that I hear come from uh, the city of Columbus, being the Hilltop, uh, Linden, and uh, the South Side of Columbus. I would say about 75% of my cases um, come to come from those areas. 
And just as a side note, uh, typically uh, the my 14 colleagues in the general division at the end of every month, they have about 400 pending cases. I typically have between 13, 1,300 and 1,500, so almost four times as many cases wow. as my yes. But that's really a testament to the issues that we are having in Franklin County. A lot of that is due to the increase in violence in Franklin County. A lot of the cases are I hear are um, houses um, or commercial properties that are involved with drug trafficking. So it could be a gas station. It could be a mini mart. It could be a bar. It could be an after-hours club. All of those cases coming to environmental court. So I, I took a little sidetrack there, but getting back to the issue of the lack of funding, my in my wildest dream, I would love it if um, city council and the Franklin County commissioners would allocate more resources to defendants who have cases in environmental court and who are simply unable to afford the cost of repairs because you have code enforcement citing these individuals um, and saying, you know, you've got to get a new roof, you've got to get new siding, you've got to get your driveway paved. All of these things are issues that folks who are just struggling to make it from day to day, they can't afford to make those repairs. They're making decisions and choosing between medication or shoes for their children and whether or not they're gonna make home repairs. Those are tough choices. And so, yes, there are things at the state as well as the county and city level um, that our legislators can do to allocate funding um, for these types of things. And so um, my hope is that the more I go around Franklin County and educate about the needs and the lack of resources that our defendants have, uh, the more I do that, I hope that our legislators do come forward and that they do consider allocating uh, more of their budget uh, to supporting these defendants. Excuse me for a minute, we need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. So what do you do when they're just not able to do what it is that you're asking them to do? You're telling them that they need to replace their roof and they mm-hmm. can't do it and they end up in your court again. What do yep. you do when you know that they don't have the funds or the resources to make this happen? So the it's, it's hard, Felice. It really is. And, you know, to the credit of uh, our city, uh, our city prosecutor, Zach, or Zach Klein, he's the city prosecutor for uh, the city of Columbus. You know, his office does as much as they can to ensure that there are resources in the environmental court, the folks that can sit down, let's say a, a defendant needs a roof, his office will ensure that there's someone within the courtroom who can sit down with that defendant and see if they are um, financially qualified for that roof grant. But oftentimes, as I said, they either they either don't qualify or it could be Um, a repair that is needed that there just simply aren't any resources for. It's difficult because the code is what it is. Unfortunately, the court is unable to pick and choose, you know, who um, a law should apply to. The code is written for everyone uh, within that particular jurisdiction. So if the code requires you to have, you know, proper siding on your home, you have to have that siding. Um, For me as a judge, it is tough. But my first and foremost responsibility is to uphold the law 
And I also have a duty to the community uh, that that individual lives in, because obviously uh, what we know is that um, the lack of uh, code compliance often leads to criminal activity. So it's that balancing act uh, for, for me, Felice, every day. I have to balance the needs of the community um, with the needs and um, the resources of the defendant. And it's difficult and it's hard, and it, but it's real life. And this, these are the challenges uh, that we face. And so if I have a defendant in front of me who cannot afford the repairs, it does not negate my responsibility to uphold the law. I still must require them to have that siding done. If they are unable to make the repairs, very often the city prosecutor, um, the city prosecutor will ask the court to hold that individual in contempt, meaning the city prosecutor is then looking for the court to say, okay, property owner, you have not brought this property into uh, compliance. Now we will ask fines to begin to run until that property is brought into compliance. It, it, it seems extremely awful. Uh, that then fines will continue to run. But at the same time, again, the court has to have that balancing act between protecting the community and balancing that with the needs of the defendant. And ultimately, as a property owner in Franklin County, you are responsible for having your property in compliance. Um, there are a number of things the defendant could consider. You could consider selling the property. You could consider um, asking the court to appoint what's called a receiver. That individual would take over the property uh, and sell the property. Uh, and if there's funds left over after the sale of the property, that money would go back to the property owner. So there are a number of things that that property owner would need to start considering if they are not able to afford the repairs. But that's something that every property owner has to keep in mind. Not only are you the property owner, but you are legally responsible for keeping that property in compliance. And if you cannot do that, you know, you have to start making some tough decisions. Wow. It's, it's, that it's, it's difficult. It really is. Yeah. I think that law, I mean, it works well when uh, you're renting from someone and then the property owner is not doing what they need to do to keep the apartment, the condo, or even the house up to code, then that works great to force them to do what they need to do. Right. Uh, yes, it does. And, and Felice, let me, let me just say this. Many of our cases have been open for years. So there are times where if we have a property owner who is really trying their best to bring the property into compliance and they're not able to because of the lack of resources, it isn't as though overnight, you know, they're going to face contempt fines. We're talking about cases that have been in environmental court for two years. And, you know, we have exhausted every resource possible to help this defendant to get that property into compliance. At that point, sort of at that two-year mark, it is time to really start thinking, are you financially able to maintain this property? Because there's no getting around that. The law applies to all of us. And so there it really isn't any getting around that. But again, I want to emphasize that so many things have to happen before we get to that point. And typically, we've exhausted two years of trying to sort of come up with remedies and resources for that individual. Uh, but at that point, the court does have to sort, sort of start taking a look at what is in the best interest of the community. Because 
at the same time, there are individuals who are calling the city daily, complaining about that particular property. That property may be bringing property values down around it. It may be attracting nuisance activity. So you have all of those things sort of swarming around that the court is responsible for addressing. How has your, your courtroom been hit by, by issues of COVID? Um, you know, I, oh gosh, well, you know, I think as, as first of all, justice, it's, the doors of justice always have to be open. So the courthouse actually never closed its doors, even while we were, um, even while we were quarantined, the court still remained open, but we sort of had to sort of pivot and adjust. So we went from hearing 120 cases today, a day, um, to perhaps only hearing 40 or 60 in a particular day. So it greatly reduced the number of cases, obviously, that we could hear um, uh, in one day. And then certainly, the by agreement of all of the judges, we sort of staggered our cases. So I share a uh, the 15th floor of the courthouse with two other judges, and we've really tried to stagger our dockets. So while um, if Judge Mingo has a busy uh, day here in cases, the other two judges may not hear any. That way, the entire floor is available, and there's sort of not that overcrowding, um, you know, that, that can often happen when the uh, court is operating at full capacity. So we've really done all that we could to modify the spacing on each floor so that we're mindful of not packing too many folks in. Uh, obviously, you know, we have a mask requirement. Uh, the courtroom is now outfitted with plexiglass and barriers so that um, folks are uh, properly social distanced and uh, we don't have those sorts of worries in the courtroom. Uh, but like any organization, the court was impacted. I mean, you know, we saw staff coming down with the uh, COVID virus. We, you know, we've had judges. We actually had a, a judge uh, on the, a sitting judge on the bench who passed away after contracting um, the coronavirus. So, we have all been hit, and uh, I, I think we're all coming through it. We've all sort of learned to adjust and pivot. Um, we saw uh, we did our best to uh, not sort of rack up a backlog. We had to really prioritize our cases, all of the cases involving uh, properties that um, we felt were a threat to life and safety. Those were prioritized on the docket so that we could hear those first, and then those that perhaps were not as much of a, a priority, like the houses and needing paint or perhaps needing a new driveway. Those uh, were sort of uh, low priority cases, and we were sort of able to push some of those back. I know they're like, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We, we probably brought a lot of time for a lot of people. So. Thank uh, you, but Jesus. now those cases are yeah, coming the roost here. Now some of those cases yeah. are coming back for having to deal with them. But again, we, we do all that we can to exhaust the resources that we have, but it's never enough. How can um a person find out uh is there something on your website that they can go to to try to find out what type of resources might be available to them? Yeah, so we um I when I took the bench in the environmental court, one of the first thing I noticed was that we really didn't have anything um, sort of um, put together that would um, assist a defendant with trying to figure out where do I go, what do I do? Uh, so I uh, put together a resource manual, and it is on the environmental court website. 
And you can see, you can look through that manual and see all of the resources uh, that we know of that are offered in Franklin County. And it's just, um, it's a good, um, it's a good manual. It's a good resource to have because again, it really addresses everything from, you know, whether it's a lack of um, food or whether it's a lack of, or, you know, perhaps you need help with um, cleaning out your garage because, you know, you've packed it with so many things and now code enforcement is, is saying, you know, it is out of compliance with code. All of those resources that we know of in Franklin County that would assist a defendant are listed in that manual. And we continuously update that manual as we find out about new resources uh, that are out there in Franklin County. Yeah, Judge Ringo, remember she said at the beginning that it was just gonna be me and Tish, right? (laughs) (laughs) Remember remember she said that, right? (laughs) How many questions have I asked you? One question. initiative and it is a special docket for folks just as we talked about here it's a special docket for individuals who own a property and because of the lack of financial resources they are unable to bring it into compliance Uh, it's a special docket because when those cases come in uh, we do everything that we can to have resources right there in the courtroom folks who can address what the issue is and perhaps help those defendants out in getting it taken care of. So it isn't a magic fix for every defendant, but it is a special docket where um, it is acknowledged that the lack of financial resources is why that individual property owner is in environmental court. And as I said, we try to have those resources right there sitting at the table with us so those defendants can leverage it. And if they qualify for the help, they get the help. Uh, but sometimes, you know, um, for one reason or another, it is not enough. And th- there's where that gap is. And there's where the, the need is uh, great in environmental work. You know what they say, time does fly when you're having fun. So we're going to have to continue this interview next Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. So please tune in for part two with Judge Stephanie Mingo who is the environmental judge of Franklin County Municipal Courts. So if you want to learn more about Stephanie, please visit Franklin County Municipal Courts. This is Police. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.